Welcome to the Sober Nation FM podcast, where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support, community, and fellowship? Sobriety Engine is an incredible community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. You can get a ton of great tips, resources, and guidance to help you succeed in recovery and in life. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. Sober Nation FM is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety, then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'll be speaking with actor Hick Cheremy. Thanks for joining me on the show, Hick. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm humbled and honored. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you so much for, for taking the time to come on the show. And I, I want to jump right into things as usual. And I'd really like to start out here by hearing a little bit about what things were like before you got sober and how you actually found your way into recovery. Would you mind sharing that with us? No, not, not at all. Uh, so th things before I got sober were, um, I mean, obviously they rough, you know, every, everyone has their, uh, their story and, and I don't like to really go, you know, too far into, into war stories, sure. but, uh, I, I was, I was just not a good person. Mm. And, uh, in that time, you know, no one ever, teaches us how to at least i was and i might have missed that day when they taught it in school or when they taught it in uh religion class or, or wherever uh how to love ourselves and i think that was one of the roots of of the destructive behavior and path that i took um when i was actively using alcohol and drugs um you know i grew, I grew up in in a, an environment where addiction was very present uh, with my family and I, I even at that time I wasn't aware of really what addiction was but you know as I got older I kind of knew what was going on around me and and knowing what addiction was doing and what it did in my family um, for some reason I still took that path mm. uh, you know so for, for many years of, of my life uh, I was a very selfish self-destructive uh, person with with you know and people would tell me this all the time and and it, and it still kind of trips me out um you know you and you hear that and it's it became like almost cliche you have so much potential you have so much potential yeah and so i was i was lucky enough that there was people who seen things in me that i didn't see in myself and 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 those people i cherish you know to, to this day but you know there was nothing glamorous about my life you know in in, in addiction um, the story I told myself it, it, it was, but in, in reality, it was totally not, you know, if you think, uh, sipping out of a bottle of vodka and throwing it back up into the bottle and then drinking it back because you don't want to waste it as glamorous, then, you know, you, you, you obviously <laughs> have some issues, which I had obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I hurt a lot of people and, and I caused a lot of damage and, you know, and that's never okay. Um, but I was lucky enough to one day hit, and, and you know, people talk about these, these rock bottoms right. and, and 
everyone has their different form of, of bottom. And, and, and for my, for my bottom, uh, was after 20 plus years of, of addiction of drug with drugs and alcohol was uh, me sitting in a garage with a house and a job, uh, drinking vodka at like eight o'clock in the morning, Yeah, you know, called in sick to work on a Monday and, you know, something in my life led me up to that point. The, the, this path of destruction that I had going on, uh, led me up to that point. And, you know, I, I think about, I think about the bad situations that I was in when I was using and, and, and drinking and, and doing drugs. Uh, you know, there was times where I was homeless and there was times where I was sleeping outdoors and there was times. And that morning, for some reason, on December, uh, 14, 2014, uh, I was the most loneliest I'd ever been in my life. At, and I, I still can't to this day tell you why at that moment that I felt such brokenness and hopelessness. Um, you know, and, and I had felt it for a long time. But for some reason that morning, it, it really hit me. And I started to really self-review my life and, and what had happened in my life. You know, uh, I had a I had a decent childhood, but things were rough. You know, my, my mom left at an early age. She was a drug addict. She lost her fight in, in 2012 wow. with drug addiction. And my dad kind of raised us on his own. And, and I think he did the best he could. He was a very, you know, resilient man, but he did the best he could. And, uh, you know, I went on to, I went on to school and, and just never felt, uh, you know, and to this day, I still don't feel normal. Uh, but, you know, I've never, I never felt just comfortable with myself. Um, I started getting into a lot of, you know, drugs and drinking at an early age. I think at, at, at five years old, I was begging my mother for codeine, but wow. it's I had. And, and I, I recently spoke about it in, a, in an interview, um, cause I didn't realize what was kind of going on until after I got sober and I spoke to my mom. But what happened was I had a procedure and I was, um, going through a bottle of, of liquid codeine. And when I ran out, I got really upset. Like through a like through a tantrum, and you know until she went back to the doctor and, and got me more. Um, and when she told me that, it, it hit me and made me wonder at such a young age, for some reason, why, you know, I got ease and comfort from that. Why that made me feel okay. Um, and I, I don't remember too many years after that, but I, I remember like taking my first drink in like the fifth grade. I was I was at a Mardi Gras parade. Okay. And we had all these these parents. They were all in these floats, right, getting ready to roll right, out. Yeah. But it's parade, right? And uh, so the kids and 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 us went walking and by the floats trying to get free beads. And there was a lot of my friends' parents that were actually on the floats, and they were basically handing us like cups of jungle juice, man. Like they were. Wow. You know, I'm in the fifth grade. Wow. Uh, yeah. And and I and I had and I had to be very careful because my father was a recovering alcoholic, and he, he got sober in 1986. But he never followed any kind of program. Okay. You know, he stayed kind of dry for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's older now and more. He's an old hippie and he's more chilled out now. But uh, so he, I had to kind of like hide that, hide that from him. And, 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 you know, I went on like, and it's sad to say most kids in the United States here that, you know, go into to high school and, and smoke pot and do ecstasy and, you know, cocaine, whatever their, their thing is. Uh, and I did that for a long time, you know, I, I did that for, for, for many years and it ruined a lot of opportunities for me um, and put me in some very, um, some very unfortunate 
situations and put a lot of other people in unfortunate situations, you know, because I, I just wasn't, I never look at myself as just being a drug addict or an alcoholic. Mm, you know, I was right. a thief of, of, of many, many, many things when I was actively using. Okay. Uh, not only material things, but, you know, a lot of nights of sleep I took from people. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of happiness and joy that I took from people. And, you know, and I still get goosebumps talking about this type of thing because when you think about it, it takes a pretty selfish person to actively knowing that they taken these things from another human being. Yeah. And I, and I'm grateful I can see that now, you know, almost six years later, what, I, what exactly, what kind of form I was exactly, you know, doing. And, and I was, I was pretty lucky that uh, I've had some really good amends in the mm -hmm. past five plus years. Yeah, and that's awesome. Some really accepting people, you know, not, not everyone, but the majority was just truly genuinely happy for me. And um, it, it kind of chokes me up a little bit when, when I get to that part because, you know, those people stuck around and believed in me for that long hmm. to the point that when I did get better, that I was able to make things right with them. That's and, really, yeah, that, you know, that's and, really incredible, man. That, that's a, that's an, that's awesome. Yeah. And I, I can relate so much and I'm sure our, our listeners can't, I really just first off, uh, I appreciate you share, you know, just saying that you didn't want to go too much into the war stories. I think we do a, a pretty good job of sharing people's stories uh, while focusing on the solution as much as possible and, and not the problem. And, and you, you describe this pretty well, you know, your, your path and your journey and in this progression through, through addiction you described a little bit like the the day that you got sober and just this moment that you got to, but, but leading up to that, were you starting to see, I mean, cause man, you started at a young age, but like, when did you start to see like, maybe this is an issue? Like maybe this is. Oh, uh, man. I, I'll, you know, so I, I did a lot of like, you know, hard drugs for a long time and, and I, and I knew that was an issue okay you know okay. because it's an you know obviously it's an issue mm -hmm. I, I think that it really didn't you know hit me that it was like look bro you have a real problem was when i started drinking because I, I did drugs for a long time and i wasn't really a big drinker and what happened was is is i i, I got off the prescription medication cold turkey in 2011 and uh I remember being dope sick for dude, days and days and days on end. Like I'm yeah. like, like a month and I still wasn't feeling Jeez. right. And I still wanted to use. Yeah. And, and I, and I woke up one morning and I went by a, a 12 pack of beer hmm. and I hate beer, but I drank that whole 12 pack and I yeah. felt, I felt okay again. Yeah. And I'm like, man, maybe just maybe since I'm a Cajun, and I live in South Louisiana and everyone drinks hmm. like this is my solution. Hmm. Right. Like I yeah. can, like, I don't, I have to hide crushing Roxy's in the bathroom or shooting up dope, mm -hmm. but this, I can really like walk around in public with yeah. and like drinking and, and it'd be sociably acceptable. Yeah. No big so deal. I, yeah. And yeah so I had that 12 pack and after that 12 pack, I had many more. And then I moved on to wino liquor and then I moved on mm. to vodka. Uh, but 
when I tried to stop drinking was when I realized that I couldn't. Then I realized there was a real problem. And at that point, Jonathan, I knew what I was. Okay. You know, yeah. people, people tell us all the time what we are. For sure, yeah. Like we don't know. But when I'd wake up in the morning and when I could look at myself in the mirror, mm-hmm. I knew exactly what I was. Yeah. You know, I was, a, I was a liar. I was a selfish, self-centered asshole. I was an alcoholic. I was a drug addict. And there was nothing whole about me. And, you know, so I don't know if that's what you were kind of looking for. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of what, what led it up. And, you know, there was thousands of moments that, that have shown me that it was a problem. Hmm. You know, there was plenty moments when, you know, I would, uh, you know, get kicked out of a bar, be disruptive or get a DUI or get sure. a, you know, there's, there's all these, these things that we, and, and we kind of just write them off because it's just like, this is who I am and this is what I do. And, and, right. and I hate one of the biggest things that, that really gets me and it was one of my biggest things that I would always say was, well, this is who I am. Mm. And mm. this is, this is, this is what I know. And it's wow. bullshit yeah, because we are capable of change and we are capable of having a better day than we did yesterday. And we are capable of waking up in the morning and having that choice of being a victim or to be our own fucking hero. And I choose to be my own fucking hero now, like every day. Right. And, you know, that's, that's what kind of like led me to, to that point of, of, of just lying to myself so much every day. And that morning that I talk about where I was sitting in the garage drinking, right. Uh, you know, I remember, I remember sitting there and I remember just crying and feeling so alone. And I walked into, in, into my living area and it was close to Christmas and I always Christmas gifts for my two children. And they were coming that weekend and I was all excited that they were coming. And I just couldn't get this feeling of, of how sick I was. Like I kind of admitted that I'm a very sick person. And, you know, I kind of started to bargain with Mahaya Pao, I, I choose to call God, uh, you know, like I, I need help and, you know, but I'm gonna, I, I can't do this now because Christmas next week and there's all these presents and here all these, and I mean, I got to my knees and I was crying and, and, and some phenomenon happened that day and, and I still can't explain it. That some said to me, like, you won't be here next Christmas. Wow. So like, if you like do something now and, uh, I, I, I picked up a phone and I said, and still to this day, you know, it'll probably be the most three important words that I've ever said in my life was I need help hmm. because, um, you know, pride and ego and having to be in control has stopped me from doing that for so long, right? It, 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 it crippled me. Um, and, and from that moment, things started happening in my life from that very moment where I got off my knees from crying and things started happening in my life where, you know, phone calls were made and, and things were done and, something in this universe was saying, you know what? Uh, he's worth it. He, he's of, of worth and value, uh, not only to himself, but to others. And, um, you know, I was blessed 
you know, by the next day to be where I needed to be and, and start learning the tools that I needed to learn to live life on life's terms um, with a great support system. And, you know, I learned a lot about, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about how to love myself. Um, and I learned a lot about, you know, after, right in the beginning, after I got sober, I learned that, and I, I try to teach this to my children constantly, is that my walk, I can say all the shit I want. I mean, you can talk here and I can say, but my walk ultimately is everything, man. Yeah. Because people watch. 100%. You know, and, and, and my walk is everything. But yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's been quite a journey. I've been, and I've been really blessed um, to come this far from it because there's days where I find myself, um, I was filming a movie not too long ago. I'm sitting in this trailer and it was like the first time I got my own trailer. And I just started like, you're like, you got 15 minutes while I going to come in and do that. And I just started crying because, hmm. you know, I'm like, I'm not supposed to be here. Wow. You know, like how yeah. fortunate to be here. Um, and it's, it's not just that, you know, it's, it's every morning when I wake up, it's, it's getting to hug my children and, and feel them reciprocate. Uh, you know, it's, it's not just the, the cool big things that happen to me. It's like every fucking little miracle hmm. that happens to me throughout the day that I hadn't felt before in my life. Yeah. That I wasn't able to feel, uh, or, or recognize, I should say. That's so cool, man. That that's awesome. Yeah. And so much of your story I can relate to. I mean, I, I think number one, just, you know, thinking back to, to how you said you, you started drinking, you know, when the drugs weren't around, man, same, same thing. And even when I got sober, I had a hard time saying that, that I even had any issues with alcohol. But when I had a few days of like real sobriety, it didn't take long to realize like, wow, no, there was like when, when the drugs weren't around, like I was because like you said, I was, I was dope sick, you know, and I was just trying to like mask that feeling. And that's where the alcohol, you know, really started to, to come into the picture for me. Um, and this moment that you describe this, you know, what a lot of people would refer to as, as a spiritual experience for sure. I mean, what you just described to me, that's how I, you know, that's how I understand it. Um, man, what, what, what an incredibly uh, emotional moment for sure. So, so this happens, you reach out to, uh, for help and, um, do you go to treatment or, or what kind of happens after that? Yeah, I was, I was lucky enough to, um, go to a great place that, um, actually Chris Heron, the Celtics basketball player. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he, he owns, uh, owns, I think part of it are, and it, it's kind of crazy cause, uh, when I was, we we're just talking about being dope sick. When I was dope sick, his thirty for thirty came on. Oh my god! Yeah, I had never watched it. It's incredible, and it broke me. You know, I, you would think that being dope sick, you're not able to feel real emotion. Man, mm -hmm. it floored me, and I it bet. stuck with me. I mean, it really stuck with me. Uh, if I ever get the chance to meet the guy, like I'll thank him for that because hmm. it 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 just stuck with me. And then I ended up at a treatment center that he owned. Okay. Uh, so I ended up, in, I ended up in a treatment center and then I, uh, I did, while I was in treatment, I made a choice not to speak to anyone mm -hmm. except, uh, at the time my, my fiance, uh, she was kind of my, 
messenger for people who wanted to know about me. And, and, and it was tough because I went in right before Christmas and I spent Christmas and New Year's there, you know, cause when I was wow. in here, you know, on my knees, I was still trying to bargain, you know, I'm going to go after New Year's. Right. I wasn't going to years, you know, and I wasn't going to yeah. go after Christmas, you know? No. So like, that was it. That was the moment. That was the time. That was my time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, while I was in treatment, it was tough because my kids were young and I was very close to my children and I didn't talk to them at all. And I knew that I had to focus on me and I knew that I couldn't have any other influence because I'm a drug addict and alcoholic. I'm a junkie. I'm easily influenced by anything and I can manifest anything and manipulate anything. So I figured it would be best if I worked on me and me only with other sick people around me and yeah. people who are uh, trained and educated to deal with people like mm-hmm. myself. And uh, so I did 35 days in there and I had been to many treatment centers before when I got okay. off the heroin. I had spent, when I got off of heroin, I spent three months in a treatment center in a halfway house. So, you know, I had been there, mm-hmm. but there was, there was something different this time. Uh, I, I wanted it, man. Yeah. You know, and, and people, you know, people contact me and they're like, I have this family member and this family member and this family. And I think one of the, you know, hardest things for me to tell them is like, after we offer them, a way to get this solution and they deny it and they're mm-hmm. like what do we do like i have some magic bean uh is you know you set up some healthy boundaries and and, and pray for them you know so I, I did treatment i got out 35 days later and getting out was probably the most scariest moment of my life because i had never really faced um life on life's terms without some mood altering substance yeah. and when when i when i got out of there um you know i was i was lucky to have a job you know i have a really good job i'm an oil fuel worker and i work for a wonderful company and they're very family uh type business and they they seen something in me that i didn't see it myself obviously because before i went to treatment I, you know i called them up and, and they were very accepting of me getting the help i need and uh i, I came back and, and I, I went to work and you know, I was suggested to make, you know, 90 meetings in 90 days. And I made four to five meetings uh, every week for three years because I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an overachiever and I'm an alcoholic and a junkie. I can't get enough mm-hmm. of something, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and, and that's the route that I took. And it, I've met some amazing people uh, in those rooms and I've met some amazing mentors and I was able to mentor other people. Um, and from from there my my life just completely changed you know you live a certain way for 36 years and then all of a sudden you realize that there's this world out there and there's this life and there's this thing called joy and there's this thing called naturally going to sleep <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah you know it's 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 crazy because i felt like an infant uh, having to learn things that my peers, you know, some of my peers have been doing for years. Yeah. Uh, that I wasn't. The basics. Uh, yeah, the basics, you know. Um, I'd wake up in the morning and the first thing I would do was it was a pill or, or mm-hmm. a drink because I, I couldn't. Uh, Burroughs, I'm a big beat generation reader and, and Burroughs is junkie. He writes that he needed to. You need a dope to shave. 
Like he couldn't even wake up in the morning. And that was kind of his thing of saying like, you couldn't, you, 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 you can't get up and function without it. Yeah. And he, he was so right, you yeah. know, even though it was written back in, in the thirties and forties, but he was so right because I, uh, I didn't know how to live without mm-hmm. it. And uh, today I can honestly say that I wouldn't know how to live with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, like, I, I get that. Yeah. That's a great point. So, well, so let me ask you, so, cause I, I like to ask people this because you know, our listeners are, are obviously in, in different stages of recovery and we certainly have some uh, people that are, that are newer to recovery or, or maybe just kind of, you know, sober curious, so to speak, you know, thinking about it, you know, been doing a little research like, like I was doing back in the day before I actually got sober. Um, but I think this is something that can help everyone. What was the, the biggest thing that you struggled with early on in recovery, would you say? What was like the toughest part for you, do you think? Um, I think it was continually learning how to love myself. Hmm. Um, you know, and that comes with recovery because you start to really see those character defects and those things that make you really not love yourself. But I, I don't think I can pinpoint one thing exactly uh besides me what what i had mentioned about just coming out into the real world i was very careful about who i put myself around okay Uh, you know i was very careful about who i put myself around and i was very careful about and and i can't express this enough and and maybe this is the one man uh because it's it's really hitting home with me right now is idle time Mm. Idle, idle time, man. Uh, if you know, if I'm not, and and it still kind of goes on to this day. You know, it's kind of part of my life. Sure. If I stop, and I'm not doing something productive or something positive, um, then there can be trouble for him, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't like my mind to. St- to stop and linger too much in, in kind of like what's going on in the world right now, you know, Mm -hmm. man, it's real rough for us people in recovery right now. And I think just everyone in general, people with mental health issues and, and, you know, we, we are not receiving the proper, or should I say the normal to us support that we've normally had with people being separated. And, and, you know, we still have this communication like you and I are doing, but uh, you know, I would think idle time, if you're new to sobriety um, and you feeling weird, man, call someone hmm. uh, and, or make a meeting or, you know, so I think it, for me it was, it was just, yeah, I'm glad you kind of, it kind of, we kind of got to that because maybe I think that's what it was. Yeah. Just I, I am, you know? Sure. No, I, I can definitely relate to that. I think, you know, that's one of the main reasons that I know up until this day like I have to have a routine and and really, and you know, successful people like have routines. Right. But, but for me, what I think it was is like, okay, I've got to have kind of a framework so that like I'm in the right headspace just, you know, to maintain my sobriety for the day. Um, You know, that I'm doing what I need to do for, for work with, with my family, uh, you know, recovery wise, but I really need a, 
a game plan for the day. And if I don't have that, then I'm, I'm likely to have that idle time. I saw that right off the bat. And it's funny because for someone that hated uh, having structure in my yeah. life, <laughs> I've really come to like, I, I, I've seen more and more that like I need it. And, and honestly, man, I, I think that the addicts really, and I don't want to speak for everyone, but from what I've seen, like we really kind of thrive when we have that structure. Like I think we kind of bucket initially. Um, but when we're looking at it and we see it from like the right perspective and we say like, wow, this can really, you know, make my life better and keep me sober. It's like, okay, well that's, you know, that's something I can get into the idle time. That's, that's a really great one. That's some, something that um, hasn't been mentioned on the show before. And I appreciate you bringing that up. Now I, I want to move along here. I've got a little beard envy here, man, because that is just a, that is just a glorious beard you got <laughs> going there. And, and so I know that, uh, you know, you've mentioned like there's a backstory with the beard and, and it has some relation to your recovery, right? So tell us, tell us about that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, being like we are, we weren't really good at taking care of ourselves, much less anything sure. else. Uh, and it was, so it was recommended to me, uh, Cause I was trying to figure out like when, when I first got sober, I'm like, well, what am I going to do? And, you know, this happened actually in treatment. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm like, you know, like, I don't know what, I'm, you know, you start to, to worry about what you're going to do when, when you get out and, and how right. you can build structure and how you can, you know, nurture something because we, we, we have to practice not only nurturing ourselves, but we have to practice nurturing others. And it mm. usually comes naturally when we are nurturing ourselves. Uh, but somebody mentioned about growing a plant, right? Okay, yeah. And I'm like, uh, you know, I used to be really uh, big into uh, basement grows and stuff when I lived in the mountains. <laughs> like, I, I really don't want to take that route right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I see what you're saying. It might not be the best fit for someone yeah, like Yeah, so you. now I'm like, now, I'm like <laughs> now I want to grow a garden. You know, I'm getting older. I'm like, I want to grow. Man, imagine what I did with this weed. Man, I could do some amazing things with, with produce, you know. Uh, so I was like, I'm gonna grow my beard out. Right. And I kind of thought, you know, and people were like, Oh, you're not going to keep that thing. And it was horrible. That thing looked, it was <laughs> like a freaking wire brush. It was so horrible and, and patchy. And, uh, you know, honestly, man, my beard has taught me a lot. Mm. Uh, I, I, I started to grow it and, and, and people were, and it was kind of like my sobriety, you know, but my friends like, oh, man, you know, you're never going to, uh, you know, man, Hick ain't going to ever change or he ain't going to ever do this. And, you know, people were with me on the beard, you know, like, man, you need to cut that thing off. That thing is nasty. You know, it's look how patchy it is. It looks like you got the mange <laughs> in it. I hear all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I stayed strong with it just like I did with my sobriety. Hmm. And it it it, it kind of reminds me of a bonsai tree, you know. It takes a lot of patience and 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 love, and and uh, you know those are all things that this beard took. What I did not know about my beard was where it would take me, you know. Um, my beard has taken me to some interesting uh, places, and as it allowed me to do some really great things for uh, less fortunate people. Hmm. Um, so the beard came from sobriety. And now everything that's coming in my life is coming from sobriety and the beard. It's like, they kind of like one with me, uh, you know, and it, it's uh, as funny because as I feel like I grow in my sobriety, it's 
damn thing gets grayer, right? So uh, there's there's definitely some kind it's of wisdom, universal. man. It's wisdom. Right. It's, it's definitely some kind of universal connection with the beard and my sobriety. But it's taken me to some amazing places. And, you know, uh, I'm in this really cool beard club, Bearded Villains, uh, which is a big brotherhood. And, and it's huge. It's close to like 5,000 members. We have like close to 200 chapters around the world. Wow. We have brotherhood and support system of every nationality, sexuality, religion. None of that matters with us. We, we all there for one common goal to support each other. And we also do charity work, and, and my beer has taken me to some really cool charity events in Puerto Rico, uh, Miami, Los Angeles, uh, to do these big beer competitions. And uh, it's been a, a freaking awesome ride, man. So the, the beard is, is with me, and then the beard led me to other things. So it, it, I, don't, I don't know if I'll ever shave it, uh, honestly. Uh, you know, uh, I've been asked to shave it for, for things now that I'm doing in my life, and I don't know. It's, it's part of me, man. And, um, at first the wife didn't like it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was kind of wondering about that. Yeah. Until we started like flying to Miami and Puerto Rico and stuff. And yeah, Los Angeles, yeah. And, and it was just like, oh, I love the and the one day can, I was, beer can stick around. Yeah. One day I was at her place of work and this guy was like, you need to shave that thing off. And she turns to him and she's like, you know where that thing is taking us. And he kind of looked at her like, what are you That's talking funny. about? That's funny. Yeah, well, and I'm sure, you know, speaking of the, the beard leading to other things, I'm guessing that some of the parts that you've been cast in, uh, they see the beard and they're like, okay, that's, that's a good fit. So I want to ask about the acting. Like, how did you get into acting? So uh, when I turned 40 years old, we were sitting here at the house one night and on the couch and my uh, wife turns to me out of the blue and, and she didn't she never really asks me questions like this but she just out of the blue asked me she says, is anything you ever want to do because at this point i had done so much with charity and, and bearded villains and and not only that but with the community and and um help she's seen how many people i help how much time i spent on the phone and she's seen that i was a very i became a very selfless person and i wasn't really doing anything for me mm. at, at at that time, and she just turned to me. And she says, "Anything you ever want to do for you uh, that you think drugs and alcohol had stopped you from doing?" And, and as a kid, and my whole mm -hmm. life, and it was something I never talked about. I always wanted to be an actor, and you know, without one hesitation, she said, "We'll go for it." And not long after that, I had a friend in in makeup, and it was this little independent film going on. And she's like, "Hey, we need a, a background guy, uh, a homeless guy." And I'm like, "Sweet." <laughs> uh, homeless I've been homeless like I can do this yeah and, yeah I know the role and, I can play the role well <laughs> yeah so, so while doing that and I had no idea about the film industry or how to get yeah. into acting or, um, we were on set and the director of photography said I look real good on film and and he's you know filming me and, and I'm kind of weirded out because this guy just filmed me and saying how good I look on film and uh, it was kind of new and weird to me and I didn't believe him at first. And he's like, yeah, you know, you can get some background roles and stuff and big productions that are going on. I'm like, Oh, cool. Let me try it out. You know, he's like, yeah, here's the site. So I went and I tried it out and, uh, I, I'd get emails and these availability requests to do this and that. And I was just kind of pushed it to the side and pushed it to the side for like three, four months. And one day I, I took the leap and, uh, I submitted for something and I got a call um 
driving home from work, I pulled over and it was like this New Orleans number. And I thought it was like an oil field number. And I'm like, you know, my nickname is Skip. So I answered the phone like this is Skip, my company name. And they were like, we're looking for Hicks Sheremy. And I kind of got scared because like just the, the, the government and the police know me as Hick, you know? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> so, right, right. Like what's, something's coming back, man. Like something's coming back to mm-hmm. get me. Uh, and she's like, no, this is so-and-so with so-and-so casting. I mean, like the cat. And so I, I went ahead and I did it. I went for the fitting and small prisoner part in, the, in, a, in a CBS uh, TV show. And uh, from then on, things kind of just rolled in. It was like a little bit more background work, a little bit more. And then uh, featured roles started coming my way. You know, I was getting picked for featured, but, but I never acted. I looked great, right? Okay. Well, they said I looked great. I'm not right, saying right. I uh, but I didn't know anything about acting. So I, um, while I was on the set last year of this, this movie that's about to come out in August, I ran into someone who suggested, they were like, look, I think you really need to. And at this point I had been on, you know, multiple TV shows and, and movies doing featured work or, or background work or stand in work, standing in for the actor. Um, and I had a featured recurring role in this movie for like 14 days and, and, Finally, someone's like, I really think you should, you should study the, you know, the, the art and, and the craft of acting. And, and it was something that I wanted to do, um, you know, and, and try to hone that craft. Uh, so I did. I, I came home and, and, you know, put the plan out and I was supported. Um, I started studying and I still got plenty of studying to do. Uh, I still keep booking things, but I still feel like I can always be better. At, at what I'm doing and I think that'll be like that with my sobriety and, and acting and anything else I do until the day that I take my last breath sure um so I, I studied and and learned some cool things and I got booked for my first uh, major supporting role last year in a movie called Obsidian that's coming out uh, it, it was a wonderful experience I got to work with uh, Tom Proctor from Guardians of the Galaxy and, and Lawless and uh, West world. And, and he actually flew from, flew from LA to do a scene with me. And I was nervous as shit. Uh, and it was a scene where I'm getting tortured and, and he wrote me a really kind response and said, it was like working with, with Tom Hardy and that, that my, my work ethic was amazing. And, you know, so he kind of blew up my head a little bit with that. I, I finished That's that awesome. project. And then I got booked for an Amazon series called final call. That'll be uh starting to film COVID kind of slowed us down on that. Okay. I'm in, some, some some independent film projects but uh i have money plane that's coming out in in two days with with kelsey Grammer and um denise richards and, and a lot of was a very talented cast uh mr andrew lawrence joey lawrence's brother directed that and he was absolutely amazing and i got a cool little part in in that movie that comes out in two days on demand and digital um you know and, and he was you know when you hear when a director writes you and tells you that, you know, you have a, you give us a look that's to be remembered in a mm. scene. And that was his exact words when he wrote me. That's it awesome. feels good, man. It's almost like, it's almost like, a, um, I'll never compare it to a high because that was a shitty feeling, but it's, it's, it's a, a feeling of, of worth that you, the, the hard work you put in is being seen and, and being recognized. Um, so yeah, I have, Probably the biggest one that I have a feature recurring is is coming out in August. That's Annabellum, and that's a a, a book.
push rents um, directors, the team directors, the brilliant directors, and that'll be out in August 21st, I believe. I'll have to look that up. It kind of got pushed back in, in, in theaters because of COVID. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I've been real busy kind of waiting for this thing to, to pass over to continue on some projects that I am lined up for. And, uh, you know, not every day I wake up and feel like I deserve like this mm -hmm. uh, life I have uh, because of all the bad shit I did. Yeah. But I think that my walk every day is, is um, a tribute to the blessings that I receive. Uh, you know, I'd like to think they are. So yeah, man, I, I, I have, you know, to think about that seven years ago, I was at the bottom of a vodka bottle hmm. and to be able to be, to work with, uh, this is also what I have coming up and one of my mentors and, and someone I look up to, to be able to work with Brian Cranston, uh, that I, I, I was so fortunate to conversate with him and, and, and work with him and, and, you know, and I'm nobody big by far, but that day on set, uh, you know, my character was somebody who, uh, engaged with him and, and it was just me, him and another act in a whole scene for like eight, nine hours of filming. And wow. it, it was, you know, to think back of where I was and it, it was, God, I wish I could tell the story, but I'm on the non-disclosure for this, for this Showtime series with him. Uh, this is a really cool story about sobriety and, and my alcoholism uh, and what I was playing, but I, I really can't, I want to. But as soon as it comes out, I'm gonna I'm gonna email you. And I'm like, definitely hit you up. And yeah, you. no, man, for sure. And, and I love him. I mean, uh, and for those who don't know, that's Walt in Breaking Bad, right? And yeah, uh, so and I loved him in Breaking Bad. I actually loved Malcolm in the Middle too. I thought that was a really good show. Actually, he, he he's more he's more like the dad from Malcolm in the. He's yeah. a really down to earth, charismatic. I can see that. Uh, he, he's he's such uh and it's funny man because he he you know he he's just this fun loving mm. friendly guy and 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 when that camera starts rolling he is just fucking brilliant i mean That's just awesome. and it, it like i'm trying to do this scene and he like it, I, I just want to watch him but i can't because i'm supposed to be being right else. yeah you, you've got to be doing some acting too I, you know yeah. and I, it's like i just wanted to watch him but uh yeah you know wow. I, i've been lucky i've been lucky and, and you know people say oh well luck you know the, the harder you work the fucking lucky you get you know for and, sure and so so i've been lucky man yeah yeah you create the luck to it to a very large degree i i think i can uh, agree with that man it, it sounds like you've had some incredible opportunities now i want to ask and i think you touched uh, uh, on this a little bit but give us an idea of what your recovery looks like today and and what you continue to do to uh to grow in your sobriety so today uh, um my recovery is uh me not only loving myself, mm. but practicing and being a practitioner of love and compassion towards others because it helps me stay out of myself. I will 
stop whatever I'm doing if somebody rings that phone or sends a message and they, you know, so I, I think recovery for me today is, is constantly trying to the best of my ability to stay out of myself. Uh, you know, any way that I possibly could, whatever avenue of it, whether it be charity work or if it's, you know, helping some, just whatever I can do to stay out of self. And um, what was that a part of your question? Yeah. So just what, what you're doing to, to maintain and grow I, in your, in your recovery. Um, oh, that's a lot of, a lot of correspondence actually. Um, okay. A lot of people, a lot of people come to me mm. and uh, with their issues mm. and with their, their problems. And I, I steer them where they, where they, if they want, you know, I, I steer them where they want but service work, man, service work to other alcoholic and addict, uh, you know, that's where, that's where my recovery is. You know, there was a time, there was a, there was a space where, uh, last year I was working a lot because it's really hard to balance film industry, oil field, family, um, you know, and any other thing that I was into. And I got caught up with, constantly being busy and I kind of um backed away from answering those messages and 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 taking those phone calls or yeah. you know I'll have people come to my house that just need to talk or or that is is trying to see what sobriety is or, or what um you know and I I had I had stepped away because man I'm far from fucking perfect you know like uh every day this thing is is work and i won't ever have this until like i'm literally dying is when i'll say i got this sobriety thing right and right. i kind of kind of stopped the service work a little bit and it showed man it showed in my uh attitude it showed in the way i was affectionate towards others it showed it you know so i mean my suggestion and this is for me is, is the service work, uh, yeah. you know, it may not be in an AA meeting. It may not be at a sober convention, mm -hmm. but what I do on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, as far as talking to people one-on-one, -on -one, that's steady. That doesn't stop. And it stopped a little while last year because I was, I was like, you know what? Like I'm, I'm really busy. I think I can, there's other people that these people can go to. And, you know, I kind of got selfish with it you know and i was like I'm, I'm just busy and it's bullshit i'm not too busy you know people had time for me man yeah you know people had time for me people showed me patience tolerance and pity and it didn't it wasn't for a very long time it was maybe a couple months that i was just not answering messages and i was focusing on scripts and i was focused on this and i was focused on that and not focusing on what i needed to focus on you know so no matter how far we get in this thing we have to remember what works right we have to remember what works for us and it, it showed, you know, it showed the negligence that I was having towards uh, my household and negligence towards friends and family. Uh, you know, you, you, you got to be careful not to get caught up or I had to be careful not to get caught up in all this shit that's happening. Right. So, you know, I make sure that people know I'm very approachable at any time. Yeah. Uh, and people know they can call me at any time. Uh, my wife will testify to that, that I will stop what I'm doing and 
sits on one in my living room. You know, I got, I kind of got to know him. I just sort of strange, but, right, uh, right. you know, and stop what I'm doing. So ser- service work would be the main thing for me. That's how I keep my recovery going. I remember where the fuck I come from. Yeah. I, I and, love that. And those, those people that are sick, like I once was reminds me where I come from. And at the end of the day, man, they have no idea how much they helped me. And I let them know. They're like, yeah. man, thank you so much. Like, I, you know, I started looking at things differently and now I'm going to meetings and now or I'm doing this or, you know, whatever their, their form of, of if, if it works for them, man, bless them. For sure. I'm not going to sit, sit there and say, this is what you have to do or this is what you, but I will say, I will make suggestions. Sure. You know, I will make suggestions. And, 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 and at the end of the day, it's what keeps me sober. Hmm. You know, we, we can never forget where we come from, ever. Yeah, you know, and I made that decision kind of hard, man. Where I live in Cajun country, they had some old school AA guys. And when I got out of treatment, I made a decision to never be quiet about my story. Mm. I made a decision to be an open book. Mm-hmm. I made a decision not to hide it from certain people. I made a decision for people to know who I am and where I come from. And they will always know who I am and where I come from. Yeah. You know, I may be this person now, but I never forget I was that junkie. And I never forget I was that alcoholic, you know. And it's people show me a lot of patience, tolerance, and pity, man. A yeah. lot. Oh, man. I never, I, I'll never forget that. I'll never yeah. forget that. You know, they, you. they made time for me when I was all fucked up. Mm-hmm. They made time for me. And now I see in my life how valuable time is. It's so valuable. It's absolutely. everything. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so, and I think you've shared a, a couple things here, but before we wrap up here, Hick, if there's one piece of advice that you could share with the sober nation, what's one piece of advice that you would share? I think the one piece of advice that I would share is that no matter, sorry, no matter how far you are and you, how hopeless and broken you feel that you are of worth and value. Hmm. And that's so important to me is, is, is showing people they are of worth and value. Um, and, and telling them that, telling them that, you, you know, letting them hear you tell you, you know, you are worth and value because I know you can relate and Asher and Elle can relate. There was plenty of times where we feel like we had no worth or value to this world or anyone around us. Um, so I'm a big stickler, a big stickler for um, showing people and telling people their worth and value. So for anyone listening who may be listening and, and, and you think that you are, are hopeless and, and broken, you are not hopeless and broken. You are here. You are breathing. And you have, you still have the choice of, you still have the choice of free will. And, and it's, and I promise you, it's never, ever too late. It's never too late. Um, love yourself, love yourself enough not to drink or do drugs. And I promise you, if you live like that, everything that you've ever needed in your life, you will have. That's awesome, man. That's, that's awesome advice. You're giving me chills over here, man. And, 
you know, I, I've got to connect the dots for, for myself. And, and I think for the listeners too, you know, you've, you've just described how you have this awesome life now and, and all these great things are happening for you. And you have this moment, you know, when you get your, your first trailer, uh, you know, your own trailer in a movie and you're sitting there and you're like, man, I'm not supposed to be here. I think I need to connect the dots between you doing so much for others and then awesome things happening in your life like that. Because I, I think that's one of the coolest things about all of this. It's like, the more that I get out of myself, and I don't know how this works, call it karma or whatever you want. I don't think I really need to fully understand it. But I know that like with you, the more I get out of myself and do things for others and put others first, the better my life gets. And I think that's what you've like the story that you've just told about your life is exactly how I understand it. I think that's so awesome, man. So I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, you can learn more about Hick and connect with him on Instagram at Hick Jeremy underscore actor. Thanks again for coming on the show, Hick. Thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm humbled and honored and, and, I, and I appreciate you and, and your time. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.